Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Hi, Tribe. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Present and Sober podcast. We are going to tackle something really important this week. Last week, we were having a discussion about beliefs and we were looking at a a belief at the level of self, which is alcohol, helps me to relax or, you know, causes me to, to feel relaxed. Um, but we want to go one level deeper. We want to go to another rung of the ladder this, this week and we want to look at a society level belief. And they're often more challenging to break down. They're held at a different level. Um, and yeah, they're really interesting to reflect on, aren't they, Ellie? So we're basically mm-hmm. going to have a look at the fact that so many of us either believe or have believed that alcohol is needed to connect with other people or that it helps us connect with other people. Um, Ellie, to that point, I think a really interesting place to start is what is connection? So what is it to you? What does it mean to you? Well, first off, in, in usual form, I just want to say something else first before I answer your question. Shoot, go on. Um, just to, to frame the belief, because what this belief mm-hmm. often sounds like for people is I, I, I don't fit in or I, I need to drink to fit in. And, yeah. and that is a belief that can really keep people stuck because we are social animals, we're meant you, you said tribe when we first came on here and and you know that, that that's what we were tribal beings like we were supposed to be part of a of a pack and so when we go against the grain your brain will be telling you all sorts of things like you know you're going to get eaten if you're yeah. out if you're a caveman don't let your guard down and you're out and you're not in the tribe you're not in you're not as part of the pack yeah then you are, if you're the caster, if you're the outsider, you are the lone wolf, you are going to end up getting eaten and it's highly dangerous. And so sometimes it can just be helpful to recognize that there's this primal part of us that wants to belong, wants to be part of the tribe, the pack, the the gang, whatever you want to um, term it. This belonging is important and it's not just important at the level of uh like the, the, this cognitive level of like I, I i have to be a part of something i have to belong i have to it, it it's uh, i think you were talking last week about like the more the more primal part of the brain mm-hmm. and so the the prefrontal cortex is is offline, right? It's it's the the older part of the brain that we don't we don't always have that like that time to stop and think. It's not cognitive. It's it's visceral. It's it's in the body, and this is very much where your body is wanting cues of safety. It's wanting to feel safe so that you're not going to get eaten because you're out lone wolf on your own, and. Uh, and so we don't always have the words for it, but connection, when you have true connection, you will feel 
safe. Your body feels safe. Your nervous system is regulated. I call it the home state that I'm in. Like I, I, I will, if I'm connected, I feel safe. I feel calm. I feel bliss, comfortable. It's, it's a really nice, positive place to be. And it can feel quite chill and quite relaxed, but it connection for me personally is it's easeful. It's deep, but it's easeful. It's, it's rich, it's authentic. It's not having to, to be something that you are not. It's, it's the, the ease in just being, being yourself and allowing whatever's going on with whoever you're with. It's just, you know, it's, 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 a, I'm finding it really hard to put into words it's, actually, because it's, it's more for me is much more visceral feeling than it is, uh, a specific um, frame of reference that I could put into words, if you see what I mean. I think that's, yeah, it's interesting how there's, there's this interplay between those da- the upstairs and the downstairs brain, like the, the primal brain <laughs> and then like, like the logical brain, right? Where when you're around people or in a situation where you feel connection, um, yeah, there is that feeling of just like safety um, and you just you're not in you're you're a long way from fight or flight Mm. you know you're a long Mm. way now it doesn't necessarily mean for me that there isn't sometimes when you move into a new situation um i think it's very natural because we are you know we have evolved to be careful and to scan the environment that um sometimes we have to move through a bit of that before we feel connected but for whatever reason i there are some people in in life where you just meet them and just very quickly you feel that yeah yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that is to do with how the, the, the self-work that we do and what we're carrying and what we're trying to protect, project and people that are very comfortable in their own skin are often, you know, it's a lot easier to connect with people who, who have less of a front up or less of a wall up. Um, and I think I count myself as part of that. The more I learn to face the parts of me um, mm. that felt disconnected, the more connect, the more far easier I find it to connect with people. Um, yeah, I think it is the deep, the deepest thing we can do is obviously a recognition of the human experience. Like on some level, we're all the same, but yet for some reason we connect with other people more deeply than others. It's an, it's an intriguing thing, isn't it? Um, alcohol though, is really interesting here because if we just dive into the very facts of the matter for just for a minute, when we're talking about, you know, what is required in order to connect? Well, there seems to be this kind of, we connect with people on the conscious level where we connect with shared experiences. We seem to connect with something, as you said, Ellie, viscerally, where like we connect with the kind of energy that people emit, however mm. woo-woo you want to get with this. Like, I don't think many people can deny that sometimes you just feel, as you've said, safe and in home state with certain people. Mm. We also have, you know, the ability to be able to um, talk at things, talk about things at the same level, um, of understanding and kind of like levels of consciousness and levels of awareness. I think those all come into play. And the one thing that you can guarantee when you drink too much alcohol is that all of that goes out the bloody window because you start behaving like an absolute nut Um, because it's shutting down your prefrontal cortex. It's waking up your amygdala, which for those of us who don't know is a very small portion in the middle of your brain, which wake awakes basically, you know, fight or flight emotions. It, It triggers us. It's very, very primal. Um, and we stop being able to regulate our emotions properly. So mm. we we lose all of that 
Um, so yeah, I mean, what else would you add to that, Ellie? Uh, well, I would just say that you don't even have to drink a lot. No, right? you're right. So any amount of alcohol that you consume, it starts to shut down the prefrontal cortex. So this is the, the front part of the brain, the most evolved part of the brain, the part of the brain that is uh, required for good decision-making. Um, mem- uh, is, it, is it memory? Is yeah. it, all, well. the, all the processing functions. Um, and so if you, if you shut that part of your brain down, then you, you are, you are checking out to a degree and, you know, people will talk about wanting to, um, numb themselves, escape. Alcohol was used many, many years ago as an anesthetic, right. For surgery. So it, it was used for an anesthetic until they realized it was too dangerous, <laughs> to use as an anesthetic for surgery. So it, it has this um, capacity to render us incapacitated. <laughs> and, and even if you drink just a small amount of it, you are fundamentally changing the, the, you know, the person that you are showing up as because you are, you are shutting off this front part of your brain. It's very good at um, destroying proteins you know we we have been using it a lot on our hands over covid it's uh something that's come in rather handy and i think a lot of our a lot of people are really shocked when they learn that you know ethanol is the same it's the same ethanol that's in cars it's the same ethanol it's it's there's no difference there it's just mm. you know and the fact that we imbibe it in the percentages that we do obviously makes it slightly less toxic um but yeah i mean it, it really does just get in there and start messing things up straight away it's again though i think it's really important for us to reflect on the feeling versus the fact so that's the stark reality of it you know if you're going to imbibe an anesthetic you're not going to be able to connect with people i mean we only have to put there's a very sim you know the thought experiment is very simple to run isn't it Mm. but you know i had this feeling i'm I'm, maybe you did as well ellie and i think a lot of people do of you know when you start when you do drink booze uh, there is this kind of like if you're somebody who's got inhibitions and you feel like you would you want to let go and you've never really learned how to do that without alcohol without the shortcut um you know you can feel for 20 minutes 30 minutes that like yes i'm the version of me that i really want to be you know yeah i can talk to people i can go and do that stupid stuff i you know i'm this i'm that um but then we lose ourselves then we're robbed of ourselves after that and we, and that we can see when we're in a social situation we can see that happening you know, the people that we love most dearly that we are connected with, we're all robbed at a certain point. We start repeating ourselves and acting like zombies. Um, mm-hmm. But it can really feel as if, oh, wow, that is really helping me connect with this room because when I walk into it in the first instance, I'm feeling quite anxious socially. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like being lulled into a false sense of security, isn't it? And a, a bit like when we were talking about drinking to relax and then you, you get this artificial overstimulation, the pleasure center of the brain. And it's, that's the, that's the thing that's going to get you hooked. Mm -hmm. And similarly, if you have a level of social anxiety and you feel like you need, uh, you need a drink to be able to show up with some level of confidence, then if you feel that, that becomes true to you then that's what you're all you're always going to go to that and, and it's going to be the thing that keeps you from ever walking another path 
yeah. ever finding out who you really are um, because you, you, you are leaning on that crutch. Yes. And we're sold a story and the story go is something like um, you're supposed to feel comfortable all the time when you go into these situations. <laughs> and the truth is if you build connection with a group of people and you feel comfort comfortable around them, then that that's amazing. But all of us being the way that we've evolved and the humans that we are, if we go into a new social situation, it's advisable and normal to have at least 15 to 20 minutes where you're a little bit wary of what's going on because your body is telling you, you know, check things out, make sure you're safe, etc. Now, learning to ride that and then having the release of like starting to connect and starting to have all of those layers fall away, which is something that we have to learn. And it's something that I had to learn. Um, you know, the joy is then you really start to get naturally high on these situations and you start to really connect with people. But we are told the story that like alcohol is going to make you this superhuman, you know, you're going to walk into this room and, you know, talk about like the, the big stick person thing. Everybody feels like the big stick person when they walk into a room and everybody else feels like the small one. It's like, well, they notice the overlaugh. Well, they notice there are, yeah, oh, no, there's this on my shirt or like whatever. We feel we are amplified. We are amplified until that starts to fall. Um, and the idea that we can walk in to an environment, go straight to the bar and start drinking um, is just the story that we're told. I mean, for me, it got to the point, Ellie, where I wouldn't even attempt to go to a social situation unless I'd had two, three, four beers before I even went pre-drinking, mm. right? Mm. And, and I think that is very, very common. Mm, and this is time. why these, these society-level beliefs are so much trickier because it's involving relationships and other people and the the only way is through right so <laughs> your only way of determining something different is by experiencing it and that by its very nature is going to feel uncomfortable yeah. but as i always say the, the discomfort is a signal that there is growth to be had and so that that's the challenge but i, lo I loved what you said about like there's all this this bloody lie that you know we're, we're supposed to it's a bit like the lie of you know we're supposed to be happy all the time yeah, and we're supposed to be comfortable all the time it's utter utter fucking nonsense there is a comfort crisis right now we are all too scared to have a little bit you know adversity is not too much of it is not good obviously but it's also we're sure we've all had those experiences in life where we wish we feel a bit like the struggle and adversity and difficulty. But then when we look back on it, we're like, wow, that made it so meaningful. And mm. this is the thing, you know, we we're like, Oh, I can't wait to not be doing that thing anymore. And then it doesn't take that long until we're inviting the next challenge or the next challenge, because it's part of the experience. Um, I would really love to talk about something that I think is a repeated pattern I see in others and, and, and a, and a big, eye-opening experience for me was that I was convinced that I was the party animal that I was the person the whole you know it was like an empty bucket it was like my thing was I was the person who could stay out later drink more do more this do more that I was always the one I was like you know party hard mm -hmm. um and I've realized since I've met myself from <laughs> after removing alcohol you know, it feels like meeting myself for the first time properly, really getting to know myself, that I'm not that crazy extrovert. I am quite introverted at times. I can be extroverted, but I definitely, I, I like, I think of myself as a 
introvert and extrovert. I recharge alone. I, I need time alone to recharge my batteries, but then I really do enjoy a social situation. Um, and I need to have clear boundaries set up. Otherwise, if I'm if I have too much going on, it, it all becomes too much for me. But I would have sworn blind that I was the life and soul of the party. And I think in removing inhibitions and in sort of pushing myself to be something that I wasn't under the influence mm. of alcohol, um, you know, I, I, I turned into something different. I turned into somebody different. And, and I think for a lot of us, it's re-navigating who we are, learning who we really are beneath it and learning how to connect with people again. How do we truly connect with people? And mm. in order to do that, we have to reconnect with ourselves mm. um, and often let go of a, pe a piece of ourselves that we've been clinging to for quite a long time. I don't know if you've had experience mm. with that. I've, I've heard it a lot, Sam. And, and, and I think it's, it's really helpful of you to bring it up because it's so often the case. People think that they... Are an extrovert they've bought into that for so long that's the part that they've played the role that they've played for so long and it's then a bit of a shock to the system to realize yeah. that they are something else and then you've like you say you've got to find this this way to to be the person that you really are i've seen it so many times and one of my uh, dear friends that i met when i was on the training course with this naked mind in this naked mind institute one of the ladies i met there she had this exact experience and, and wonderfully she wanted to then set up a coaching practice for introverts. So she wanted to, to coach cool. introverts and it's such a cool niche. It really, really is. Uh, so I, I, th I think it's really great for you to share that and to recognize that, you know, the basic principle that we're meant to have these parts of us. We're meant to have inhibitions. Like they are a fucking good thing, right? You do want to have your inhibitions. I mean, yes, we could probably all recount a tale or two where we've done something really, I'm about to say funny. Is it really funny? Is it just really silly? We've all done things that we otherwise wouldn't have done. Uh, and, oh, yeah. you know, you can have your war stories and your tales and, oh, wasn't that hilarious? well, would the situation have been just as fun or more so, more connected, more enjoyable without the silliness slash dangerousness? Um, you know, I, I, I was talking to somebody earlier this week, was it last week, about some of the things, and we've all seen some really, I'm sure, uh troubling things of people being under the influence and doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do and as a parent in particularly uh, particularly now it frightens the life out of me um we're yeah. meant to have inhibitions they are a good thing and if you remove them you're you're removing a part of you that is very much trying to keep you safe and and it's not to say that you know you you this whole thing you're always meant to feel comfortable and we want to try and stay away from danger all the time because your brain your brain can't always differentiate between real danger yeah. you know so the, the danger of not belonging to the pack the gang the tribe that that's different from you know trying to keep yourself really safe so uh, 
I, I do think it's important to recognize that the we are meant to have these faculties it's not it's not a good thing to lose them if you want to something that i've realized a lot is that man we live in britain people like to drink and my goodness me on a saturday night like i when i walk through i so i live in liverpool and i'm going to be perfectly honest the middle of liverpool is not somewhere where i would choose to go when it's like high drinking time or season because it's it's edgy at times like i can i feel um you know there's a lot of people pouring in from outside towns there's a lot of energy there are issues socially um in a lot of cities um and i and i think that you don't feel a lot of the if you walk down like the strip that a lot of these cities in Britain have, the you know the kind of like where you see the street theatre and there's fights and there's all this kicking off and there's police vans up and down the street, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a really common scene. It happens a lot, particularly in, in, in Britain, it's a big issue. Um, and if you walk down those streets without any alcohol in your system, I mean, fuck me, you feel it. It is you, it's palpable, like oh, the yes. kind of... And you realize, my God, how many times was I in scenarios thinking I was connecting with people when actually all I was doing was anesthetizing myself mm. from the reality that was around mm. me and putting myself in danger because you never really, mm. the amount of times that I had chats with people that were probably like not the kinds of people that you should talk to because you're pissed and you're in a bar mm. and, you know, some dude wanders up to you and starts chatting away or whatever. Like it's, um, yeah. And I think you can probably, that is probably a really interesting experiment I wouldn't necessarily advise it, but like if you what if you do find yourself in a scenario where you're walking down those streets, you know, have a look around and, and observe the connection that's happening all around you. Because <laughs> well, no, I'm not it, sure it, there's much of it. No, and I, I, I don't have to think back that far. You know, I'm yes, I'm four, 41 now. I, I, it's sometimes, yeah, sometimes when I look back, I do think like how. I mean, I was a bit on self-destruct mode when I was in my late teens early 20s with the things that were going on in my life at the time but I do think wow I was really lucky yeah the bullets that we dodge yeah yeah. I you know I I was right in the thick of it all but what you were talking about there that like that that palpability of it um it it just brought to mind something that happened recently Uh, so we were it was the middle of the day sunny day and the kids were playing and as kids do, they'd found a hill, a little hill. And so you've got, and, and, and the kids are like, my youngest is two and my eldest is seven and they're playing on this hill and they were doing this thing that kids do, which is like, you lie like a sausage and then you roll down the hill. Right. I did that not long ago. Yeah. On the right? Isle of Man. It was <laughs> And, and it's, you know, really like sweet. They're all having fun and laughing and what have you. And um, my husband said to me, oh, uh, check that out. This is going to be funny. And as I turned around, there was a grown older than me lady that she'd made some kind of contact. The kids weren't that far away from us, but she kind of made this contact with the kids that I initially took us oh that's really cute like she's like oh this is fun and and so she proceeded to lay down like a sausage to roll herself down the hill and a bit like you've just mentioned there well I've done it it's good fun I thought like oh this is just like she's just like oh how cute are the kids this is really fun oh look I'm gonna be really silly and roll myself down the hill and enjoy a kiddie 
joyful, free moment. That is what happened to and, me, by the way. Yeah. And so for, for a few seconds, I was kind of like caught in this, this feeling of this is charming and lovely and, oh, you know, isn't, isn't the world a lovely place? And then I realized that she was pissed. So her and her friend were pissed and they were near my kids and my kids like recoiled, right? So like kids can pick up on stuff real quick. So what had seemed very innocent and fun and charming very quickly had a very different feeling to attached to it. The kids just took themselves away because they didn't want to be anywhere near it. And, and, and these women just carried on like this um, calamitous rolling down the hill in all sorts of states and then, you know, lots of noise and you can imagine, and then going back to the sun and doing it all again. And it wasn't fun. It was, it, it felt really, um, I can't even find the word for it. It, the feeling tone was, it was sinister. Like it was not, and, I, and I'm not judging these ladies, right? Because we've all, you know, this is this is the whole point about inhibitions, right? You 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 behave in a way that you wouldn't always. You've you've checked out. You're not really there. But but in experiencing it as an observer, it's not nice. You you are not on the same plane, and it and it is not nice, and it's not nice to see from a place of compassion. It is not nice to see somebody in in that state and when I say in that state I don't mean pissed I mean in that state of not really being themselves it's it if if you if you're in amongst it I'm sure it's all hilarious because I've been there myself but as an observer on the outside it's very uncomfortable very uncomfortable yeah it is and it makes it a challenge it means I think I'm quite um good with having healthy boundaries up now um but i think when we it's really funny how being around a group when we're not sort of sure when we when we haven't looked at who we are and i've got a real story of this i had 19 months away from 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 drinking and i went and did some incredible things i went and trained to be a yoga teacher i did i've spoken about this a lot in my story um but when i came i came back to the uk and I thought I had it all figured out, but there were like bits of me where I think one of the biggest things for me at that point was that I didn't still didn't know how to really connect. And I went back to an old situation with, um, in a city that I had been in before. Uh, and I was dating, dating a girl and it brought up a lot of kind of, I don't know how to connect. I don't know how to do this. I was trying to reconnect with the group. Um, and, I think the reason that I really, if I'm totally honest, and I've only realized this recently, like sort of journaling about it and going back to it was, um, I just, I, yeah, I just didn't know how to connect. I was like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick up a, a beer again. Cause it's, it's, it's just what I'm going to do. It's going to help me break down my inhibitions and just connect. And hopefully this will make things work between me and this, this, this lady, etc. The irony is that, you know, it didn't, it robbed me of myself again for another three mm -hmm. or four months after that. And it led to me being really disconnected from myself and, and that group as well. Um, because I think when I, strangely, I think one of the reasons why we can, I think one of the reasons that I maybe stood out a bit was that I didn't drink. And that actually one of the reasons that I'd been 
um, that makes people attractive is when we don't drink, you're different. Like you really mm. bring the life and soul of the party. You stand out. And if you go against the person that you are in order to try and connect with other people, which is what I did, um, people sense that they knew oh, yeah. that I didn't want to do that. They kind of on a subconscious level, they were like, they kind of got it at a level that I think I didn't, I don't know if any of us did, but it, you know, it was strange how that happened. So this is a really big piece of the puzzle because you'll see people with really mixed ideas. I was um, a fly on the wall in a conversation a couple of weeks ago where somebody was really talking about how disgusted they were that someone had been under the influence of, of marijuana. They'd been stoned, right? They'd been, been smoking weed and they had been with their kid and they were talking about their friend who'd done this. Yet I know this person has repeatedly spoken about the amount of times they spent in their house absolutely wasted around their children. Um, and we have these kind of like different filters that we apply according to our belief systems. So I think this is a big piece. It's a really, really big piece, actually. The, we can be blinded to the reality and the truth of what's going on out there because of our primal need to connect with other people. Um, and that was a big piece for me. And that's now why one of the reasons I'm so passionate with working with people around this piece of the puzzle, because I think it can be something that is really important to deal with the whole way through but it can be one of the last real big sticking points that gets in the way of people feeling truly free as well um and so i think it's a really important thing to tackle because a lot of people are like well everything's great apart from i don't feel like i know how to connect in this situation or i don't know how to socialize or i feel like this is a sticking point for me mm. so yeah i think mm. it's a big big thing um what about the drinking buddies thing ellie what about the kind of when you stop drinking, how the effect it can have on your connection with your social situation. What's your experience with that? How long have we got, Sam? Well, it's, I mean, how, I'll tell you, actually, we're probably about 15 minutes. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. I think, I think the thing that I would say to anybody that's considering going alcohol free and contemplating the, what does it mean for your relationships and your drinking buddies and your social situations it means that there's going to be a level of discomfort possibly on both sides yeah <laughs> things are going to change some for the better some possibly not for the better but there's a gift there and I think that there's a need to just a level of have a level of acceptance that there's a shift there's a shift gonna happen but any connections any relationships that are truly worth it that are meaningful to you will survive in one way or another and there might be I, I would I'd hazard to guess they're not going to be exactly the same, but they're either going to be the same or they're going to be a different iteration of. So there are, within my own life, there are relationships that really haven't changed a lot and we socialise in the same way as we did before, albeit I don't drink and they sometimes do and they sometimes don't, depending on what we're doing in the circumstance and so on. And then there are some relationships which are, you, you could argue are more challenging because they are the relationships where literally 
we've possibly not had a time in, and I'm talking pre um, going alcohol free, but we've possibly never done anything sober together ever. (laughs) And so that it's going to be different. It is going to be different. And the thing that's been tricky for me, I think more than anything is that because of the pandemic, I haven't seen my, a lot of my social connections. I haven't seen a lot of the people that are dear to me in my life for some at all or some, you know, I've seen very infrequently over the last 18 months, two years. So then that's trickier to, you know, work out what the new normal is because you're not seeing those people to be able to work it out because as I said earlier, the, the only way is through, but certainly when I was contemplating life ahead, my new way of living is so and was so important to me. The benefits that were in my life as a result of the action that I'd taken were so great and so meaningful to me that that would trump anything. That, that was my priority. Like I, this is how I want to live. And so anybody that's dear to me, anybody that's a friend of mine, a true friend of mine is going to see that as something really good for me and they're going to embrace it and they're going to support me wholeheartedly. And anybody that um, doesn't get it, uh, they can try and get it. I can try and help them get it. But if, if there were casualties, then that for me would have been unfortunate but would have been um something i'd just have to i'd have to accept because it's it's like the trade-off thing what's what's more important and being truly authentically me is more important than anything else and the thing that's interesting to watch from the outside as an observer i was talking to somebody about this last week is um or this week even here goes my memory again uh have you heard of this concept of crabs in a bucket? I've uh, been crabbing and put crabs in a bucket. But well, this, this came from Annie. And uh, I'm, I'm very visual. So when she said this, I was like, oh, yes, I see. And she's talk, she was talking about how um, if a crab tries to escape from a bucket, so it's crawling its way out what do the other crabs do as they see mm. it make its bid for freedom that's it they drag it back in again and that's quite a, i think that's quite a, a poignant example and and it's it's very interesting to see how that plays out for people um yeah. because it can be what I, what I certainly see in my coaching practice is that where somebody's making a change in their life, like removing alcohol for the people around them, the people closest to them that still drink and aren't in, on the same, uh, the same path, it can, it can feel threatening and it can force people to look at their own drinking at a point in time where they're possibly not ready to. And, and then that brings in tension and crabs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On, a, on that night um yeah it's interesting i think this is part of the work isn't it when you remove alcohol you get challenged to figure out what your values are and as you start to really figure out who you are there will be people for whom 
you've only ever drank with really but actually underneath that there was something deeper there were mm. real things that connected you and that you were friends in spite of the alcohol and those yeah, are the yeah. relationships that will continue perhaps they'll look very different perhaps you'll get the joy and then for me it is real joy of like going for coffee dates or whatever it is in the day and um and there will be other people for whom you actually realize that you were kind of at times even tolerating each other you were basically just not really connected you were drinking which anesthetized that element and you just mm. were hanging around with groups of people and and i think those relationships tend to fall away quite quickly relationships do in my experience some of them come back full circle again um you know you don't talk to each other for a year or two and then someone will reach out and say to you man do you know what i've stopped drinking like i feel i feel like i get it now i get it mm. and um we can accidentally break down connections if we, and Annie talks about this a lot in this naked mind where, you know, you kind of accidentally sometimes go into preaching mode. You start talking about the wonders of, of all this stuff and people are like, they feel judged. It's not your intention, mm -hmm. but that's how mm -hmm. they feel. So often the best thing to do is to just be who you are, just enjoy yourself. But, you know, it's a, I definitely just tried to transplant my drinking, my drinking, non-drinking life with my drinking life. So I was like, I'm just going to do the same stuff and I'm just going to, and it worked for a little while until it didn't and then it and then it fell apart and there is some joy there is some reconstruction of of life and building and growing and evolving and it's fun like it, it really is fun if we see it in the yeah. right light and um i do not i was saying to you early uh, ellie i think i don't blame the sam of his teens and early 20s for using alcohol as a way of it was the best tool i had at the time i was an anxious kid like i i it was the thing that i reached for and and it I think probably for those 20 minutes, those 20 minutes of connection before I was robbed of myself at times, it felt like the only available option to me. Mm. Had it been taken away from me, I wouldn't have known what to do. But in the same way that I don't blame myself for being a kid and playing with toys, I don't feel like I need to pick up toys anymore. And, I, and I'm not going to blame myself for being that person and, and yeah. hold any shame about it. It's about letting it go and realizing that you know, that, there are just people that you're going to connect with and people that you aren't. And, and, and change is, is challenging to the ego. It is, but change for good is, is for the good. Yeah. And, and that point about having grace for yourself, self-compassion is so important. It made me think of um, the lovely, gorgeous Russell Brand when he, he talks about when he went into, I think he went into a rehab facility and the one of the staff there one of the first things I said to him was well done well done on being an addict because you found something to keep you alive and it's and it's so true you know we we have to have and that's again why I love the methodology from this naked mind so much because it's it, it's compassion based it's grace first it's it, it's so important to recognize that part yeah I mean we will dive into this on other episodes and I, and in a minute, I'd love to share a, a tacticality that I think is really powerful that sort of will wrap a, wrap a circle. I was going to say, I was just creating my own sayings now. <laughs> what am I going on about? Um, you know, for me and my story um, and my experiences, there is, there are differences in, uh, in, for, in why we use something is often more important than, than what's happening, you know? So for example, um, certain drugs in my opinion become medicine if they're used in the correct way and certain medicines become drugs if they are used in another way and um connection and you know there are so definitely substances and and things out there that we can 
use that can help us find connection. That's a part of my story. We'll dive more into that in the future. Um, but it's not so much that, you know, things are good and things are bad and that there's this moralistic tone to this stuff. It's like, as you say, it's about being compassionate. They're tools, you know, they're tools. Alcohol is freaking great. If you've fallen over and you've cut your leg and you happen to have a bottle of whiskey there and you want to, you know, make sure it doesn't get infected. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. But it's not a good tool for connection. You know, there are other things that are great at other things and not good at other things. And um, yeah, we all have our own path. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to talk about on that. But I would really love to bring a tactic in, which is a bit of a kind of just an extension of that, like wander around the the the, the street theater, crazy drunken street. But you can do this somewhere a lot safer. You don't have to yeah. throw yourself it's, into the lion's den. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that. I said, if you happen to find yourself in the situation, not purposefully take yourself out into it. I genuinely do not feel comfortable work, walking down those places these days. So I, I don't go there. Um, but one thing you can do is go into any party where you do feel comfortable, any social situation where there is going to be alcohol and run what I like to call a party observation. It's great. Um, and it's, it's just, better than it sounds, folks. Oh, it is. It is. Um, you can still get involved. It's like a, it's running in the background, right? You don't just have to sit there with your notepad and watch it. Although I suppose you could do that if you want. People might just think you're, you're being a bit weird. Um Watch what happens when you first get there. Notice, are people happy? Are they connected? Are they letting go? What happens to them when they start drinking? Interestingly, what happens to you when they start drinking? You start to mirror, you start to be able to let go. Notice these strange things. Then notice at what point people start stop being the per them. You know, At what point can you literally see alcohol getting in the prefrontal cortex? How many times are you going to listen to the same bloody conversation until you go, right, okay, sod this, I'm going home now. You know, I, I don't, I go to bed at half nine every night. Um, but so it's very rare that I go out into these places. <laughs> Genuinely true story, love it. Um, it's my greatest joys in life is going to bed early. But the rare occasions that I do sort of go out and do this stuff when I want to, it's very interesting to sit back and be the fly on the wall and objectively observe what is going on. Um, and just just take it in just notice ask yourself where's the connection what's going on here what's real mm. here mm. um this is um something that I, I get clients to do quite a lot as uh, just in the in the the same realm as the where they where they have um the whole issues around like oh this is the first time I'm going to about this is the first time I'm going yeah. to a works do I've had them so, and they'll, they'll be they'll be anxious leading up to it how am I going to deal with it um Hindu's another good example and what I always say to them is because this is generally so I'm coaching people that want to remain alcohol free usually and so it can be anxiety inducing for a couple of reasons one because well oh god what's it going to be like and how am I going to survive my brain's telling me I'm going to die um and then the other slice of anxiety is coming from not wanting to let, let themselves down or a group if they're in a group program not wanting to undermine the the days so for some people counting days of sobriety is important so it's kind of this double layer this sandwich <laughs> shit sandwich of anxiety and what I will say to anybody in that situation to immediately relieve a lot of the pressure um like you know just you can let a lot of it go is it doesn't matter whether you drink or not 
it really doesn't matter because either way you are going to learn something from the exercise, whether you drink or whether you don't drink, provided that you do it mindfully. So what I will advocate people do, and I've had this happen now a number of times, number of different occasions. I've asked the client to, regardless of whether they choose to drink or not, it's, it's helpful. It is helpful to make a decision because if you really, really don't want to drink and you tell yourself maybe, then you will. So making a firm decision is important. But what I have said to all of them is to delay having the first drink. So if you, if you want to drink, just delay the first drink. So go to the event and just as you've described, observe what's going on. And observe what's happening for yourself, what you're feeling, what the thoughts in, in, in your own head. And the data, the information, the observations that people come back with, it's fascinating. And they get so much from it. So whether they choose to drink after the first hour, hour and a half or not, it's it, it, it's the, the gathering of the data and seeing what happens. You know, we talked about the in episode can't remember the number where we talked about uh, uh, the belief about alcohol relaxes me. And we talk about what happens when your blood alcohol content rises and then what happens when it falls. The blood alcohol content rising part is 20 minutes. So it's, you know, even if you just delay having a drink for an hour, what you see when other people are drinking in that first 20 minutes is fascinating. And how how it then plays out with how people connect or don't connect how they relate to you or don't relate to you. And it it can just be so enlightening. And and often what happens is people see what's going on with us around them. And then they make the decision there of, I thought I was going to drink in this situation. And actually, I I now don't want to. It can be that powerful. It's really interesting how, I mean, I mean, I'm, most people I work with, <clears throat> a lot of people I work with are people who have stopped drinking for quite a long time, actually years, um, but they still don't feel completely free. And so we do a lot of work to set them free. Um, and obviously I would never, you know, and you're not saying this, I know that I would never advocate that someone, you know, decide to drink it after that length of time, you know, we can do the work um, outside of that. But if you are somebody who is still, who does still sometimes drink or is experimenting, or as you say, Ellie, it's really interesting that just taking that hour in the knowledge that I'll do it if I want to sets you free enough to actually be much more free in a social situation Mm. than you normally might be. Because normally if you're going somewhere and you know, you're not allowed to drink, um, but you haven't really applied any conscious level of thought to it, you'll kind of either just be gutted and annoyed that you can't drink um, if you're kind of in the active, if you're the, like, you know, the nominated driver or whatever, we've all had that experience. I'm sure of like, Oh, this is going to be shit because I can't drink. Um, but that freedom hour, like you talk about is amazing. Cause it, and as beyond what you're saying, Ellie, it allows you to take, to see when your natural, um, inhibitions and connections start to form. Cause almost always the first half an hour, when you go into somewhere is you do feel a little bit like, mm, okay. And then you settle. And mm. the strange thing is for somebody who has now, you know, six years, basically now alcohol free. Um, I am for someone who goes to music festival. I know I said I go to half nine. I do have, I do have some stints away from that, but I go to music festivals. I do all sorts of stuff. A lot of things that people may never honestly choose to do being alcohol free. And that's fine. But um, I work with with a lot of people who do want to do those things. Um, 
the thing that I really notice often is that if I get home from an event like that, I'm so naturally high from what's been going on. I sometimes I struggle to sleep for a bit because I'm like excited and the chat's been so good and I'm bouncing off of people. And you invite that opportunity for that experience in. Mm. Um, and it won't always happen. And I would advise people to personally, I always leave, I generally leave early. I don't stay anywhere till the early hours and just watch the carnage that entails ensues. But I have a great time turning up to places and then walking out at the right time. Mm. Um, yeah, what you've touched on there is really important. So having a plan is really yeah. important. Having a plan and thinking ahead where you're going. Yeah. So we have a tactic at this naked mind, which is, I think it has to be my all time favorite, but it's a buddy, a plan and an excuse. Yeah, the cool. idea is that you, you have somebody um, with you that if, if you are, let's say your early days of sobriety and you're wanting to maintain it, you can bring somebody in on what you are doing to deflect the, oh, why aren't you drinking kind of questions. They could make sure that you've got, you've always got a drink in hand so that you're not um, put into an uncomfortable situation if it, you know if, if you are feeling at the more you know the more fragile end of things mm-hmm. um so just having having a support but being clear with that person about what you want from them on that night out before um before you go and then the plan of well wh- where are we going what am I likely to be able to choose to drink there do I need to take something with me um what am I going to say if somebody asks me why I'm not drinking or, you know, so it's planning and visualizing around all of those sorts of things. And then it's having an excuse because as you've mentioned earlier, when, when you're not drinking, other people are through no fault of their own, they become really fucking boring and they repeat themselves and they might think that they are the most witty, hilarious person in the world. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not. not <laughs> bullshit it's it's no it's not it and uh there's an element that you can tolerate so much of it but then there comes a point where you you just know that you're not on the same uh you're no longer in the same party right even if you're physically in the same party you're not physically there and I think people often worry about oh well I'm you know I'm gonna have to make this big thing about I'm going or I'm going to be seen as the, I remember a client said to me, but you know, I always used to be the person that was out the latest and, you know, I'm never going to live it down if I'm the first person to go and all the rest of it. I said, guess what? They won't fucking remember, mate. <laughs> they are not going to know. They, they won't even notice that you've gone. And that is usually my, my preferred method of, uh, of, of going. I just, I just go. I don't tell anybody I'm going, I just go. And the, the, I remember the very first time that I did this, and to be able to go and get in my car <laughs> and drive my car back home quite, you know, without having to go and stand and wait for a taxi and then pay a load of money for the taxi and get called in the get or whatever. I Revelation. Get home and then tuck myself up in my little bed and wake up the next morning feeling fabulous. Yeah. I think um, before we wrap this up, I'm sure we've both got something we can say to this, but very, very quickly, I, I spoke to someone, was coaching someone um, a few weeks back who was talking about, they had basically said that there was this event coming and they were going to have to tell somebody that they didn't drink for the first time and and that they were imagining what it was going to be like and how it was going to play out and, and all of these things. And they had turned this event into this just swell of anxious mm. likeness. And I, I asked one question and the question was, what would happen? if we work together 
to come up with a way for you to talk to this person before the event what would happen mm, mm. and it was like the the relief i could see was like why oh, hadn't yeah. i thought of that but why hadn't i thought i could just plan my life and, and be a bit brave up front and tell someone and because then suddenly you can walk into those environments you know feeling safe and, and it can be tiny it can be a text to the host to say jim i might disappear at some point tonight don't worry about it it's i'm just letting you know up front it could be telling your partner um you know, for me, it might be Robin for this one. I really need, I just, if, if I say, you know, can we go, let's, let's get out kind of mm -hmm. thing. And it can just be tiny. It can be a tiny thing. And I think these things that are really important at the beginning, I think this might be a really powerful way to end this Ellie um, is that I can honestly say I work with a lot of people who I think are struggling to believe me when I say like, this is incredible. This is the optimum life choice. It's badass. This is not fucking one day at a time. This is not struggling yeah, yeah. through. This is not uh, walking through treacle, freaking out and having to do this forever. No, no, no. This is reskilling yourself so that you can upgrade your life till you get to a point where the idea of drinking is ludicrous because you would never invite something into your life that would fuck it up mm. and I, I get that because I used to be that person that didn't believe people you know mm. I was like yeah right whatever okay but it's you know but no no like I'm you know this is Okay, if I could talk to myself, if I could go back in time and just and just say, dude, like, just keep on the path. You will get there. Like, <laughs> you're going to take a lot longer than you might need to. You're going to make a lot of mistakes, but it doesn't matter. Like, keep going, keep learning. Every time you learn, you are moving forwards and you're, you're mm. going in the right direction. And I just want to put that message out there to anybody that's kind of going, yeah, but, you know, I'm different to other people. Like, I think I... We all feel like that. We all feel like we're the special case who isn't going to be able to figure this shit out. Mm. But we can. And whilst having a plan is really important, the other thing is that, that you alluded to there is that there's a whole lot of story that we create our, ourselves that doesn't necessarily bear any resemblance to reality. Yeah. And the, the number of times that I've had clients spend a lot of time planning and working up and building up to something, and then they've gone, oh, nobody fucking will ask me. No one cares. I was actually wanting somebody to ask me, and they didn't. Um, so the, these things often don't uh, play out the way that, our brain tells us that they're going to, we, we can, we can worry ourselves unnecessarily, which is why the thought work is so bloody important. But yeah. it, it, somebody the other day, I saw somebody ask the immortal question. It, it, I hear it so many times uh, within the, the groups online where people say, what, what am I going to say when somebody asks me why I'm not drinking? And it's it's so fascinating because I, I I would have been one of those people. I would have been like, oh, why are you not drinking then? Because I just I just wouldn't I wouldn't have got it. I would have been um, I'd have been that person. But now, and I don't, and I think it's probably the coach in me. But if if somebody asked me now, I would be like, but why are you drinking? Like, what? But why? <laughs> you don't have to, you know. <laughs> it's much better when you don't. Yeah. Um, but as I said to this yeah. person, like you, you have to that that turning it back that way, yeah, you do have to be careful about that because it could come across in entirely the wrong way. Um, and you know, you don't, you know, this isn't about throwing rocks. It's just like this curiosity for me. Like you know, well, why why would you want to? So you, what you want to connect and you want to have fun 
and you're going to anesthetize yourself. Why, why would you want to do that? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And what you will notice is the more and more you move into true connection with yourself and knowing who you are and owning it and having healthy boundaries, people will ask those questions less and less because they will just sense that you are who you are. I can't remember the last time somebody asked me, I mean, a lot of that, I mean, yeah, people, even pre-COVID, there was a long, for a long, long time, hardly anybody ever asked me mm. because they just, I don't know. Actually, quite a few people have sort of said to me, if you get you're at a festival and people will come up and be like, you know, um, oh, what have you been drinking or whatever? Nothing, mate. Yeah, yeah, this <laughs> is just the thing. yeah that's exactly it. And I think you're, you're right. The, if I think about anybody that's asked me, or like I, I always remember when we um, when we bought the deer the deer caravan at the little caravan place that we take the kids to, and the guy the, the lovely sales guy there was really really chuffed and he came along and he brought us these two bottles of what a bottle of red and a bottle of white, and because it's just the assumption there right that you drink and um, he handed them to my husband and he sort of handed them back and said oh you know we we don't drink. And you could see like a mild look of confusion on this young lad's face. But the thing that was really sweet there was um, when the first time we then, the the caravan was sighted, the first time we actually went there with the kids, he'd um, gone out of his way to get, there's like these characters that are like the mascots of the place. And he'd gone and got these characters in soft toy form for the kids and the kids absolutely love these bloody things. And you think, but yeah, that 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 is, that's more meaningful because that's going to, that, those little characters are going to stay around for a while. What would have happened if we'd have drank the wine? It's just gone, right? <laughs> so it's not, it has no depth to it. But the little, the little characters, well, they're around to stay. I think that is an absolutely lovely space spot to uh to leave that because it's a lovely positive image i think it's great um we are getting i like this we're diving into things that i i think i i know that had i listened to this episode a good few years ago then i think it would have helped me connect and and i would encourage anybody to reach out if they've got further questions or anything like that just ping them to us and we will we will cover them in in future podcasts of course we'd love this to be a dialogue um so yeah, Ellie, is there anything else we want to say other than all the normal stuff of like, please go out there and review us and be lovely and, you know, just keep keep connecting with us because like we we love this connection thing as well. It's it's so nice. Yeah. But, um, it's so it cool. is. And and we were we really were blown away with the, the feedback that we had about the, you know, getting into beliefs and just how helpful that's been for people. So please, please do get in touch through Instagram or Facebook or whatever means, email us, just let us know the things that are helpful and how and why it's been helpful to you, what sorts of things that you want us to talk about, because there there are so many beliefs, beliefs about substance and then getting into the societal stuff. We haven't even gone anywhere near yourself yet. We we know where we want to go, but we we're here to serve, right? So the whole point of doing this was to be able to offer value to people. So if you can let us know what's working and what you want more of, or specifically which beliefs you want us to tackle first, then we will do our very best to to serve you in the best possible way. 
That would be bloody marvellous. Right. Okay. Thank you all. Have a wonderful week. So, there we have it, lovely people. Connection. Is there anything more important? Not really, I don't think. And it would be completely remiss of me and Ellie not to reach out and just say to you, thank you for the amazing amount of connection that you are helping us find, you know, just with you awesome, lovely people, and also the connection that we're finding between ourselves when we're recording the podcasts. What an amazing medium of uh, putting information out there, just having a conversation um, with people you, you know and love and trust and, you know, getting to connect to a wider audience at the same time so you know as we always say a huge thank you for that and yeah reflect on all of the stuff we've covered this week you know alcohol chips away at our ability to really connect with people so the more we can reduce or remove it from our lives then the more opportunity for connection that that opens up for us which is which is huge so we've got some awesomely exciting guests booked in they'll be coming soon i won't say much more than that but uh yeah we're really really excited to carry on having uh, just an exciting lineup going forwards so have an amazing week please go leave us a review please share this please help us connect with other people please connect with other people by sharing this podcast and talking about it and you know as i say go listen to us subscribe um, and do all that awesome stuff that you guys um have been doing thus far Okay, have an awesome week. Let's keep making life bigger together.